How's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 194. I sat down in Nashville, Tennessee with Naomi Van Winkle. She is the host of the podcast Cult in Connecticut, where she and other people who are formerly of the cult that she was raised in talk about their experiences. It is an exceptional podcast. I highly, highly recommend you listen to it. I binge listened to the first season on an airplane and was completely enthralled and mortified by it and knew that I really wanted to have Naomi on the show. And she was kind enough to say yes. It was a difficult conversation for her in that there's still a lot of trauma around the experience that she is going through uh, as she deconstructs everything that happened and how she spent her upbringing. Knowing that, I did steer clear of a couple subjects. She references a trip to uh, the UK, and she and I did not dig deep into that experience of what happened to her while she was there, because I knew that that would be very difficult for her. So again, I highly recommend after you listen to this episode, go and check out the podcast, Cult in Connecticut. She also has a book called The Cult in My Living Room, which is on Amazon. And as usual, of course, you can find links to that and to her and all, everything she's doing through the links page on heyhumanpodcast.com. In other news, uh, social media, as usual, Facebook, Instagram is Hey Human Podcast. My personal social media under Susan Ruthism is Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find my music and my art at susanruth.com. You can email me, susan at heyhumanpodcast.com. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes and your favorite podcast app. It helps to boost the notoriety, the notability, and get the word out for the show. Uh, check out the links page, as I mentioned, on heyhumanpodcast.com. I curate it every week for each episode individually. Tons of information on there, movies, books, links to the people I talk with, um, all sorts of stuff. So definitely check that out. I'm going to plug something else really quick. My father wrote a book. It's called Margaret Outrageous Fortune, about a woman through circumstance becomes a pirate. And it's one of five books that he's been writing. The first one, of course, as I say, Margaret Outrageous Fortune is finished. And you can find that on Amazon. So if you'd like to check that out, please do. My father's pen name is Martin March. And uh, I really enjoyed the read, so I think you will too. If uh, It's historical. He spent gobs of time researching it, and I'm really proud of him. So Margaret Outrageous Fortune by Martin March, available now on Amazon. Okay, well, thank you for listening. Thank you for taking time out of your day or evening or whatever, and, and thank you for spreading the word about Hey Human. I really appreciate it. Let's get into this. Here we go. Naomi Van Winkle, welcome to Hey Human. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, it's Naomi and not Naomi, right? Naomi, Naomi, yeah. I got it right on the first try. Yes. <laughs> yes. I learned about you uh, because you had posted in National Podcasters about your podcast. And I went and listened to Colt in Connecticut, your podcast. Oh, my God. It's so good. I, 
it, it got me through a very long plane ride. <laughs> it's intense. <laughs> it's intense, especially if you listen to it, like, binge. Some people I binged binge. it. You did? I binged it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had somebody reach out to me the other day and was like, I binge listened to it, and then I fell asleep, like, while it was on. And I was like, do not fall asleep. That give you some weird dreams, probably. Yes. Yeah. Nightmares. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. it can get disturbing. It can get a little creepy. Yeah, it's a... What's interesting... Uh, what is that weird noise? Oh, okay. So first of all, I'm in Nashville right now for a hot minute. I went to see Hamilton last night with my best friend. She got us tickets for Christmas. The best show ever. Have you seen it? Mm-mm, I have not. Nutty, nutty good. Like I cried. <laughs> I laughed. I cheered. I leapt to my feet at the end for a standing ovation along with everyone else in the room. Wow. I didn't, I went in not knowing anything, but I, I know about it. Obviously I'm not, you know, not under a rock, but I didn't, I didn't listen to any of the songs or anything. I didn't, I don't know the story, the storyline. I know little about Alexander Hamilton. Clearly I know that he helped found, you know, our banking system and all that stuff and that he's on the $10 bill. That was the extent of it. And oh, man, it's so good. It's so, so good. Do you want to know something? Hmm. While you're talking, I just feel so triggered because it's like, I did live under a rock. Oh. You know, <laughs> I don't know anything that you are saying to me. Like, Have you heard all about information Hamilton? is brand new information. Okay. And, you know, it's like every day I'm just learning more stuff. All, well, don't feel bad. I didn't know anything really about this other than. But it's, this yeah. man sounds amazing, clearly, obviously. It's so well done. So if you get yeah. a chance, it's at TPAC, go see it. And then I'm, I'm here for one th- this day to, to talk to you and then another person later in the day. And uh, so thank you for being here. But I, uh, I binge watch or binge watch, binge listen to Colt in Connecticut. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got to talk to her. That's, that's a story, all right? So here we are. Mm-hmm. How long have you been in Nashville? I've been here for, goodness, um... I always lose track, but it's, I think it's definitely over 15 years. Oh, you've been here a minute. Yeah, I have. I moved here when I was 21 and I'm, I just turned 38. Happy birthday. Or 37. No, I just turned 37. Okay. Just turned 37. Um, I actually literally lose, lose track. I never know what day it is, if that makes you feel better. It does make me feel better. Thank you. Yes. Um, (laughs) And also, I have a toddler right now, and sometimes I just... Oh, so you have mom brain. I have mom brain. Yeah. Like, I need 10,000 cups of coffee in order to remember. Do you want some coffee? No, I'm good. I'm good. I have my water. I need to hydrate. Yeah, hydration is the key. Is it the key? Because I feel like it is the key. I feel better every time I drink. I think hydration is the key. And probiotics is the other key. Oh, yes. I take probiotics every day. Really? I think it's very important. The mind-tummy connection is sort of the gut. Not really the tummy, but the guts. Right. Yeah, very important. So, yeah. Anyway, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. I'm glad to be here. Let's let's go back to the beginning. And again, um, I know that a lot of this is really intense for you, which is totally understandable. Um, It's a hell of a story. And um, when we talk about religious cults, I mean, I think this one is up there with one of perhaps the worst I've heard about. Just it's it's real bad. <laughs> it's real bad. As my friend Ellen would say, it's real bad. So um, so let's go back to the end. Were you born into this religious situation? Yeah. And I'm going to, even though I know the answer to some of these questions, because I listened to your podcast all the way through, yeah. we have to assume that the people listening right now don't. Right. So we'll yeah. go from there. So let's go to the beginning. You're born into this family that is yeah. hyper-religious. Yes. 
And the name of the religion is? Well, it was it was labeled a non-denominational Christian church. So it really did look from the outside like a normal Christian church. So this community, we went to public school. Um, we wore regular clothes, nothing different, you know, from the outside. Mm. So it really starts to become different when you're inside. And after doing my podcast, having some of these interviews, you know, with these prior members, I'm learning it took some time for you to be really in it for things to get more and more intense for each individual. So at the beginning, it does seem like a normal Christian church or a normal, you know, lighthearted fellowship kind of community. But then they kind of suck you in a little bit with love, like tons of love bombing, you know, meeting your needs, really. um, What is love bombing? So love bombing, and they talk about this. uh, Danielle talks about it in her episode. Um, I interview a girl named uh, Danielle, and she's on two of the episodes, and she tells her story. She explains in such detail how she kind of got sucked into this group. Um, And she talks about that the fact that she was love bombed when she was a teenager, which means that she came in to the church. She visited with her one of her little girlfriends and she um, was surrounded after church, just completely surrounded by people that were just, you know, really boosting her ego, acting really uh, excited to meet her, excited. You know, I remember literally witnessing this. If a new person came in, we would, we were actually trained to do this. And I can't tell you like, you know, this is what was taught to us specifically. There wasn't like a rule book or a workbook. It just or, like a slow burn of learning. Yes. Yeah, you slowly, I slowly learned over time that this is what you do. We are going to love people like no one else loves people. And when someone new walks into that group, uh, walks into the church, everyone will identify that person as never being you know, in this group before. So they probably need a lot of love. They're probably unsaved. They probably, um, you know, have needs that need to be met. And we are the people that will do that. So they will, this person will come in and we will surround them with love and really boost them, you know, give them encouragement, love. And, and so it, it turned into this intense thing where you feel really like swallowed up in positivity and swallowed up in like comfort and love and friendship and, um, generosity you know and that becomes their power because then they get to take it away and to keep you in line yeah there were really good parts about this community you know that's that's one of the things really hard to process that all the good the good things that i was taught from this group and the the things i was taught from this cult um you know like generosity these people really were very generous had big hearts and that generosity was one of the things that was taught but but like you said it, it was not unconditional love at all whatsoever once you get in a little bit and danielle really describes this in her um in her episode once you get in you really realize this is not unconditional love with no strings attached this is something that if i do not think act speak behave the way that i am supposed to according to these people something bad is going to happen to me 
something really bad is going to happen to me. So that is kind of the environment that it was. But when you're doing well with Christ, quote unquote, when these when you're doing the right thing according to these people, they really raise you up and they make you feel a lot of pride and make you feel a lot of, you know, um, like I'm doing well and and Jesus is a lot of things that they would say is Jesus is happy with you, you know, or Jesus is unhappy with you. And and there were per- certain mouthpieces that spoke for Jesus, correct? Yes. So one of the main things about this this church that kind of set it apart and also kind of in my opinion made it a cult is that there was a prophet at the top. And the prophet, this is very abnormal it was a woman and it was a grandmother lady from england and um she was you know british lived in england there was there were two churches um there was a church in connecticut and there was a church in england and it's bethel there's like seven different names to this thing which is always suspicious yeah it changed its name (laughs) several times yeah it's never a good sign yeah probably not um but uh yeah, it's like, why did you have to change your name? Hmm. What are all the the incarnations? There's- so, so the so the Connecticut Church and the England Church are two different churches, but they're called sister churches. So they really did work together. They really were one church, but it, you know there was a leadership in Connecticut, and then there's a leadership in England. But they really communicated and worked together. So the one in Norwich or Norwich, Connecticut, um, was there were pastors, and then there were pastors in England, and also the prophet was in England, and the prophet spoke directly uh she spoke to the leadership like the um pastors ministers that were kind of more at the top um but she uh, they believed in this community in this group that she spoke directly to jesus and jesus spoke directly to her Mm -hmm. so she knew the answers to anything that you could ever ask how old is the church the The original i'm I am still kind of piecing those things together. You know, I was born into it. So this was oh, all I ever right. knew. And like one of those, that's one of those questions that I have is like learning about the history of the church. You know, Seth dives into it a little bit in in my podcast, um, the episode with Seth. Um, Jane talks about it a little bit. Nancy talks about it a little bit, how it got formed. But I believe that it was in the 70s. Okay. Well, that makes sense. It's a very 70s thing. Yeah, right. And, and can we cover the names of the different? Yeah. Yeah, right. Sorry. Um, it's okay. So the ones in Connecticut, I think it started out as Dayspring. Then it moved to King's Chapel. That's when I was there. After I left, it turned into Peniel. It's quite a name for a church. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I, I don't even want to get into that right now, but uh, but we have some, some jokes about that at my home. But uh, And then, let's see. Oh, yeah, I think that's... Uh, so, is, offshoots of those names. Yeah. Yes. How, and um, then, in England, mm-hmm. okay. it was Bethel Church. Not the Bethel Church. You know, the big Bethel Church. It's, it, these are very small independent churches. So, it's not like the Bethel Church, you know, the uh, really famous one. Um, and then, it turned into International Church. I believe it's International Church. 
I keep saying new international church, but I don't think that's right. It's a great way to launder money is to start a church because it's tax exempt. So there's all that. And and one of the guys on your podcast talks a lot about the money part of it. And that was really fascinating to listen to. Yeah. It's really a good podcast. I recommend it to everybody um, that's listening. Uh, were your parents then, but long before you were born in this, how did that, how did they get brought into it. You know what? I am still trying to uncover that and piece Are all you, that together. Do you talk to your parents? I do. I okay. do. Um, my, Are they still in? Um, kind of. <laughs> uh, so my dad um, is out. Um, you know, he got out when I was in high school. My mom, um, she is, still attends the church that it is now. And it has turned into a new church. And um, it's it's called Castle Church, and this is the first time that I'm actually talking about that. Um, this subject is 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 a real tough one. It's complicated. It's complex. I love my mom. We have a growing relationship, and um, I I feel bad because sometimes I do have to talk about my childhood and do have to mention her and the things that really took place and did happen. But I do believe at this time that you know now I have come to realize that my parents really did do the best they could. They didn't know this was a cult. Well, also, they thought this was a nice Christian church. And she, they thought that this was the best thing for me. They wanted to help me. They didn't want my childhood to be like whatever their childhood was. Sure. And, and they, you also get to own your story. Right. And nobody else gets to own your story. Right. So you yeah. being able to talk about it to whatever end that is, it's it's that's for you. It's right. not for your... You don't have to protect anyone. Right, right. Except for yourself. Absolutely. And, you know, the truth is, is, you know, my mom has gotten hurt through this process of me telling my story, my book, my, you know, because I've also written a little memoir. It's very short. It's my first go at it. What's it called? It's kind of more like, I keep saying it's like a pamphlet. Okay. <laughs> but still, it's good. You should buy it. It's only like $5 or something. Um, but it's on Amazon and it's called The Cult in My Living Room. And I kind of talk a little bit more about why I started the podcast. I get into that story more of what kind of led up into the podcast and also more details about my childhood for anyone mm -hmm. that's really interested who likes my story, who likes episode one. Sure. They can, they can grab that book. Now, I, I know because we've talked back and forth online uh, about how stressful it is for you to talk about certain things because it's, you know, it's child abuse. It's a lot, right? Um, so given that, I, I want to hear as much as you're willing to talk about, um, but if you need to go to third person or talk about someone else's experience that you witnessed or whatever to protect yourself, you know, and your emotional well-being, I'm totally fine with that. So Thank I'll just let you sort of, um, you're the master of this ship. Thank you. Yeah. I so, appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. So I if I ask something that makes you freak out at all, let me know. Okay, <laughs> well, uh, I, like, I am very sensitive and I get, I do get triggered very easily, but I, what's helping me now work through that is, you know, um, like you said, I, I don't have to say anything that I don't feel comfortable with, but I can also word things in a way that do make me feel comfortable in order to authentically answer the questions mm. because I want to help answer questions and I want to help answer questions for myself and I want to be vulnerable and, and I perhaps keep work other people this stuff. from doing it themselves. Uh, uh, that would be wonderful. I don't know if, if that is what comes out of the podcast um, or me sharing my story or anything. Um, if people are helped in any way, that would be really amazing. Well, I think it's inevitable. I, I'm, oh, I'm, gosh, I, I hate so. to say it, but I don't know that, that your story is so different than many people's stories because I think this happens on some level. 
you know, all over the world oh, to a yeah. lot of people. Absolutely. Uh, your so your family came. Do you have siblings? I do. I have one one younger brother. Younger one brother. So you're and... the eldest child in the family, and so this began the the childhood experience began with you. I was born into this group. So my mom um, and my dad were a part of this group. Um, I think that they went to a Christian church, and they what has been told to me is that the church that they went to was more traditional and they wanted to something more alive. So I understand that, you know, and, um, they visited this church or something. I don't know exactly the exact details, but they became a part of this church, church members. And, um, once you're in, you really are in because you have to make a decision. Are you going to believe every single thing, you know, and slowly over time, it gets more and more intense. Um, and you either have to believe it or you're, you know, you're not cut out for it. Since you and your dad are out, did you ask your dad why he was so devoted to it? Have you had that conversation? Uh, yes, he stayed in it for a very long time for my mother. He is to this day, he is in love with her. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cute. Um, but they're not together. They're not together, no. Because got, of the church? Yes. I, well, I say yes. Um, but, you know, I'm sure behind closed doors, you know, there's a lot that goes into a marriage. Absolutely. Okay, but in my opinion, the church did have something to do with the divorce. But that is one of those big, huge question marks in my life. So one of the, the, just to touch on that a little bit, um, one of the things that I gleaned from listening to the episodes on your, on your podcast was that if, say, there's a married couple and one of that married couple begins to ask questions, begins to have doubts, begins to think, something's not right here, then the whole church descends upon that and then says, Jesus says you shouldn't be buried or that person's a sinner and going to hell or that Satan has them or whatever. Is that correct? Yes. So basically, um, you know, you have to be completely 100% committed to this group. And, you know, once you really kind of um, attend frequently, you start to realize, understand more and more the environment. The environment is very intense. I guess that's the best way I can say it. You very much need to be committed. Um it's basically they use it as, are you committed to Jesus? Jesus just saved you. Are you committed to him or not? There is no gray area. There is no sitting on the fence. They would even use that Bible verse. Um, what's that Bible verse? If you're lukewarm, I will spit, uh, I will, God will spew you out of my, out of his mouth. Um, I can't remember exactly, but that's, I think that's what, isn't that what it is? If you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. I think that is the thing they would say over and over and over again. Um, so it's like you have to decide, are you committed or not? And that was always the main focus of this group. Mm. You know, you have to be committed. You have to be in this 110% and it, it has to consume your life. And you, all day, every day. How many hours are we talking? Um, you know, so people would have normal public jobs. They were... It, we lived in the public, so normal public jobs, normal public school, um, and then as soon as that is complete, as soon as that, that is done, there's Your usually a church done. thing going on at night. Like, there's usually a church thing. It was almost every day, you know, almost every day. So the minute you get out of school or your work, 
by the way, sorry for the weird outside noises. We're in an apartment <laughs> building and God knows what we're going to hear. Um, so soon, and thank you, Ellen, for letting us do this at your house. Um, so as soon as the day is done, you go straight to the church activity. And then I assume the weekends are also yes, covered up. There's two services on Sunday, but in between the services, you usually are doing something involved with the church. Um, and then after church service on Sunday, you actually have youth group after that. So it's it's an intense all-day event every Sunday. So you have to go to both? You have to, you have, you must go to every, yes. And what happens if you don't go to a service? Every single person will notice. And what will they do? Um, they will, someone will, will question you about it. You will be questioned. You know, what's going on? What's going on? Maybe... You know, I feel like something's wrong. I feel like something's off with you. What is going on? You know, they kind of, they bring a lot of emotion and a lot of passion into their questioning. And it feels like they really care about you. But a lot of it is that they want to try to control you, make sure you're in the fold, because that is what we were kind of trained in this environment was to make sure that everyone is committed and doesn't get off track at all, but keeps their focus on quote unquote Jesus. But really it was this group. I don't think Jesus had anything to do with this, <laughs> to be honest with you. We talked in the very beginning of this about um, the love bombing. So maybe take us through what it's like when there's uh, some of that love bombing starts to get ebbed away. What were some of the tactics? How would they behave toward you and the other kids? Because I mean, we're talking little kids coming up in this. Mm-hmm. They're being fostered and loved upon until they get to it right around. It sounded like puberty. Things get dicey. Well, actually, you know, I'm going to say my childhood was filled with a lot of discipline. Mm. Uh, a lot. Spanking type stuff? Lots of spanking. Um, the... So they're what definitely do you call not the spanking? The What's rod? the? No, oh yeah, they are definitely. You know. Yeah. Spare the rod, spoil the child. You can even right? spank other kids in the community. You oh, you can. Yeah, not even your own kid. You can. You know, that's something that I learned. I think I was. Was speaking there other Jane? Corporal? I don't think she said that on the recording, but she told me that in in uh, in a conversation with her. Were there other types of abuse then besides spanking? I mean, did it go on to full on beatings or? Oh. Susan, if I had the answer to that, that would help me sleep at night, probably. Um, To be honest with you, I feel that there are more topics that are left uncovered. And I worked with what I had with season one. And um, there are so many topics. So Um, many stories. I I feel that there are things that are still hidden that need to come out. You know, I want to know. Has anyone uh, attacked you for... Trying to get your word, your story out? No. That's good. Not at all. In fact... Because some religions would not find that very good. You know? Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, I know. Like, thank goodness I wasn't in Scientology because I cannot... I can't even imagine being stalked and, you know, all that. Luckily, I, I am so thankful to these prior members and even to the current members because they, you know, they are saying that the church is different now. And, um, you know, whether it is or whether it isn't, I have no clue. Is the woman still at the head? No, she is dead. She, she gone. She gone. She gone. And what's her name? Her name was Syro. She was the prophet. Yeah. Yeah. And she pretty much, you know, knew everything about anyone and everyone. She had files on everybody. She knew anything and everything about everyone pretty much. And if you have any, you were trained 
that if you have any sort of question in your life, for example, you know, a vacation that you want to go on or, um, you know, what job you're going to have or, you know, what you're going to name your kid or what spouse you're going to have, things like that, um, where you're going to live, you know, all of those things, those things you have to ask what does Jesus want? Because you want to know that you are pleasing Jesus. You want to know you are pleasing Jesus. You want to know his will for your life. That was a major thing. And Seth talks about that. Um, so she I, basically yeah. is dictating where everyone travels, who gets married, who breaks up, who, uh, she what you name your children. She was this dictator. Where you work. Yeah, and I'm not gonna say I'm not going to say a hundred percent of it. I think you know I'm not gonna say a hundred percent of it all the time. She knew you know that I don't think she would be able to be consumed with. But she had her tendrils and lots of things. Yes, yes, that is the best way to say it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay, so back to you. You're uh, you're coming up, and the love bombing is not. You're starting to get a little bit more. Uh, well, people are you're getting disciplined not just by your parents, but and other kids around you, and so. I'm, they, they use guilt or Jesus won't love you if you behave this way. Yes. Which is awful thing to say to a kid because if all they've ever known is I'd be this way and Jesus will love me and then this all knowing, all seeing being suddenly takes that away, that's got to be super traumatizing. Yes. And not only that, but um, basically, you know, they used the uh, fear of losing your salvation, going to hell, you know, they talked a lot about demons. They talked a lot about spiritual warfare. They talked a lot about the devil. They There was a lot of darkness and negativity and they were fighting against this darkness and negativity a hundred percent of the time all day all night well it turns out that when you really are focused on fighting negativity and darkness and demons and the devil and all of those things it is extremely fearful um so i was just filled with fear um just uh, i was afraid to be myself because I felt that if there was something that I did wrong, thought something wrong, behaved wrong, uh, said the wrong thing, act, you know, rolled my eyes the wrong way, looked the wrong way, you know, I, I was extremely, I was kind of like a, a horse with those blinders on. I mean, I just... You're on eggshells all the time. On eggshells 100% of the time. Um, and when you're starting to, to feel your hormones and things, it, from what I could glean from listening was uh, they basically came in and, and even if you were just being a normal teenager, and it sounded like they did this with the adults too, that they would plant seeds in your brain that you were behaving a certain way that you weren't even behaving. There was a there was one person that I was listening to uh, and they accused, I think it was a, I think it was a man, it's been a minute since I listened to the whole, uh, the whole arc of the show, but that they were saying, oh, you're having lustful thoughts about this other person. And they were like, no, I'm not. And they're like, yes, you are. You're having these lustful thoughts and you have to repent. Oh, maybe it was a woman. And then she said, okay, yeah, just to shut them up, you know, just to get them off her back. Was that, there was a lot of that. A, a lot of that actually, you know, that happened to me. Um, that happened to Jocelyn. Um, Jocelyn's episode, she talks about even a whole youth group. You know, um, <laughs> there was like a child molesting uh, accusation, if I remember. Like, or some... oh yeah, yep, yep, that was Nancy. Oh, man, I was like, holy shit. Then there, then it happened to Jane. I mean, it happened. To, it happened ever. It happened so often. And they would so just common. say you're doing this, or you're having impure thoughts about your own children, or about this, and they're like, what Girl, the hell the, are you talking about? Let me tell you, this this was so common that they 
made you so paranoid about freaking being a child molester that it is really now as an adult looking back, I'm just like, what the heck was going on? Because they were obsessed with this sexual purity and righteousness, but like there was something extremely perverted about it now. There's something that feels completely perverted about it. And I, I don't wanna like point the finger. I don't know the whole truth of like, you know, where this thing came from, but this was a common occurrence in the church. You know, people would get calls in the middle of the night. They were interrogated like FBI investigation, interrogation, you in know, the the night, they would make up. stuff yeah. up about you. They would make stuff up about you and you had to confess. You had no choice. You had to confess, you had to repent, and I mean, you have to be acting like this subservient, I'm in repentance, full repentance mode, like, you know, Danielle says, you have to cry, you have to ugly cry, you know? Um, did they make you do work to repent, or did you have to suffer any beatings for that, or? I am sure as a child, you know, I probably was spanked a lot you know, accused, of, I would get, you know, my mom would get phone calls, all of a sudden I'm in trouble. I mean, and I felt like I was this innocent kid. I talk about that in my book. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, I, I have the tendency to, to say like, you know, I don't want anyone to hear this and say it was all the time, constant all the time. But as a kid, that is how it felt. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. So your mom would get phone calls and they would say, Naomi is thinking, thinking this thought and she must be punished. And so your mom would then punish you for thinking something that you thinking just, something that you weren't thinking that well, they just made up. Yeah, it's like you have this in your heart, which is even worse. I feel like because it's like you have this in your heart, and it and it feels so just intense. Like mm -hmm. someone is accusing you of that, and they are saying that Jesus told them this. They put the power, the backing of this. They put Jesus behind it. So you don't want to displease Jesus. You love Jesus. You don't, you know, the he, Jesus holds the key to your salvation, whether you go to heaven or not. Otherwise you will burn for eternity. And you realize this as a small little kid, which is so terrifying, but you know. And they sent kids away too, to go be in England. They took them from their parents and yes, yeah, snatched them away and sent mm -hmm. them, yes. which is terrifying terrifying you know but they a lot of times they lured you over there because they promised you a vacation and that did happen to me um but yeah they promised me a vacation and you know next thing i know i think they used it as this brainwashing opportunity and also then my parents got divorced while i was over there so and I was over there against my will longer than I wanted to be there. And so it felt almost like this kidnapping thing. They wouldn't come back, yeah. And then meanwhile, they're orchestrating your parents' breakup. Yeah, that's how it, that's how it has Well, I mean, felt. just listening to all the different episodes, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty accurate. It was, it was just a common, you know, if it didn't happen to me, you know, if it wasn't the truth with, because... Some people argue that the church had anything to do with my parents' divorce. You know, like I said, that's the big question, whatever. You well, know, people get divorced of, all the time, too. People but, get divorced all the but time. But listening but to the But the way that it happened, yeah. that I was in freaking England, and then I had to come back and never see my house again, never see my dad again, you know, lose everything I own, move in with a family in the church. I lost, you know, the cat that I had from birth or small baby, you know. I lost my dad. I lost everything I owned. I lost my home. I lost my neighborhood. I lost... All my roots were gone. And how old vanished. Were you? I mean, uh, this was my high school. I was a junior in high school. Yeah, that's major. That's a, that is a time in your life that is very uh, 
what is what, what's the best word to put it I mean sensitive yeah, <laughs> like sensitively I mean, kind of time in your life and also sure. my brother was 10 and then it is and that is also a very sensitive time in a so kid's she, life so it happened took, to him when he was 10 so he has the same story but he was only 10 and they took him away and they you know what happened was they they brought him to England um, at 10 years old at 10 years old to be with me without the parents well, no, 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 no. My brother came with my mom okay. when I was there, when right. I was a junior. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, if you listen to, this will all make sense if you listen yeah, yeah, to episode sure. one, which is my story on my podcast. Um, but I'm kind of diving deeper yeah, into yeah, the yeah, story yeah. here. Sure. Um, but basically, um, my brother, you know, was 10 when that whole thing went down for me. You know, he was 10. And so that has really affected him. And I won't tell too much of his story, but I will say, he to watch him and how this has negatively affected him because I am a thriving person. I'm still a thriving person in society per se. Um, I have more of like the behind the scenes, you know, mental uh, aftermath and things like that. And it isn't as obvious. Um, but people like my brother, my dad, I, I, there are a lot of people, not even in my family, but I have, I am still connected to a lot of people that have had a lot of struggles with this place, with the, the aftermath of this place. I don't think anyone could have ever anticipated or, or the ripples of the damage that it has, you know, had. Um, I don't think that at the time anybody understood that it was in it. I don't think anybody understood yeah, and how cry cry it really really was. I don't want to give away too much of your podcast because I want people to listen to it. But the head, the the prophet, people were buying her gifts. They would make people within the church spend gobs and gobs of money and give it to her. And I mean, this is clearly cult behavior. Yes, for sure. Yes, for above and beyond a, a tithing, it, it became. Yes. There was yeah. tithings and offerings and love offerings and then pop up, you know, this offering, that offering. And then, you know, sometimes I remember as a kid, I would watch them go up these stairs, these narrow staircase, go up the stairs, uh, count all of the money. And we'd be downstairs praying so vigilantly, so hard, you know, that, that we have raised this money. And then they would come down and say, no, Jesus wants you to give more. He wants you to give more. We're going to pass this out. We're going to believe for more, you know, kind of thing, kind of thing. You know, I don't remember exactly specifically every detail, but I just remember seeing, witnessing that. Mm-hmm. You know, looking back now, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> what, where for you was the moment of saying something is not right here, but can't put my finger on it because clearly you're out now. So that had to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, well, uh, during England, uh, I'm sure that there have been like little moments that all added up, you know, um, and to be honest with you, I can't remember a ton of those little moments, but just like a lot of the, hmm, a lot of the negative, fearful things. Sometimes people would say something to me and I would just be thinking to myself, "Mm, nah, like I don't believe that or that doesn't feel right or, but I didn't even know how to listen to myself. But even as a kid, there were things that I just naturally, kids are just so innocent, loving, and sweet. And that's one of the things that I was taught that kids are not innocent, loving, and sweet. 
um, they're horrible. They're demons. They, you know, they have demons. They're full of demons. You know, we need to pray against them and, you know, discipline them and retrain them. It turns out children really are our spiritual teachers. And Jesus even said that in the Bible. That verse completely got missed um, at, our, at our cult. Um, but basically, you know, wait, what was I saying? We were talking about how you decided to get out. Yes. It, it wasn't just, you know, one huge moment. It was tons of little tiny things like that that would happen. But then also, you know, when I went to England, I really felt that I got a call once, you know, I was promised this trip, this nice, exciting vacation. Once I get got there, I got this call from Syro, who is the head prophet in England. And she's this grandmother lady. And she gave me a call and basically said, you're in sin. You have this in your heart. You have that in your heart. You think you know better than everyone. You, you know, are this and that um just real dark negative you know and I was just like no no like you guessed wrong this time because sometimes she would actually guess right I'd be like yeah you're right I am pretty selfish sometimes <laughs> you know um but as we all are uh we all have the same stuff it turns out um <laughs> we're all on the same boat it turns out we're not all perfect oh like, and that's okay actually I just found out <laughs> um but yeah so you know, in England, Syro guessed wrong. And then the way that it happened to where... What did we, she say when you told her, no, you're wrong? I didn't say, oh, no, okay. you're wrong. I didn't say, no, you're wrong. <laughs> I, I don't think that I did. I don't think that I did. Now, I have a very fuzzy memory of what went on in England. I really absolutely blacked out after that moment. I remember really wanting to go home and not not being able to go home. Um, I remember making a phone call to one of my girlfriends and saying, get me out of here. And her being like, please don't call me anymore. My family is scared. My family is scared. I'm scared. Don't call me anymore. You know, um, she still remembers that to this day. We're still really good friends. And she still remembers that to this day. You know, sometimes when I actually like question myself about what, like before this podcast, sometimes I would be like, did this England thing happen? Because I didn't talk about it. You know, it's like, do, am I just over-dramatizing everything? You know, that's one of the things they used against me when I was little. And I actually just remember the, this. Um, I have memories that pop up all the time um, as I'm going through this healing process. But one of those things is I do have a flair for the dramatics. I am a dramatic lady. I love acting. I love music. I love the arts. They really use that against you. Anything that they can get to know you and use things against you. Well, obviously, you, you know, you're just dramatic. You, this is the Naomi show. This isn't... You know, they, they use it against you to, ga what is it called, gaslighting? Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm just right. now learning about gaslighting, gaslighting because I feel like that yeah. so has happened to me. Sure. Um, with, so then I start questioning myself like, That's oh, is this as bad as I remember? I mean, is it as bad as I feel? Maybe I am dramatic, you know, because I, I honestly am. I have a flair for dramatic I don't dramatic know, being taken sometimes. from your family is something worthy of drama. <laughs> Right. being allowed to go home and then having your entire life taken from you as soon as you get home. Well, yeah, it, it's one of those things where from doing this podcast project and deciding to be vulnerable and open and share my story and find out the truth, um, this podcast, the project has really helped me realize that I'm not alone, that this was real, that and this that there did happen. And other people have the same stories. And they are really, you know, um, in some cases really struggling or, you know, they... Uh, did lose something very huge like Nancy losing her relationship with her daughters because she was accused of having sexual thoughts in the middle of the night she was called 
you know, Syrah would get the award from the Lord and then she would contact the leadership. The leadership would, you know, reach out to you, call you in the middle of the night, show up at your house, whatever it is, for discipline session is what they called it, a discipline and session. And accuse you of having sexual thoughts about your children. They accuse you for all kinds of things. The sexual thing was very common. You know, they accused teenagers, preteens, all those kind of things for lust, masturbation, sexual thoughts. You know, they, the sexual purity thing was really, uh, you know, a uh, center of it. And they... Uh, at, they interrogated you. If they interrogate you, then you don't have any choice. You have to agree and repent. You, if you say, no, I don't feel like that's true, you're going to get in worse trouble. What would the worst trouble be? They're going to call in backup. More people are going to get involved, and it's going to be a big old drama. You want to talk about drama, but you're about to lose some heinous stuff. I mean... And they would take away... Take away anything that you care about, they, they mm -hmm. would take away. I mean, like, when the, in the situation with Nancy, they um, made her, you know, she they high-pressure forced her to confess to having lustful thoughts for her kids. She At first, she tried to say, no, that's not right. But they, over hours and hours and hours of just high pressure, fear, fear tactic, you know, interrogation, um, she had just admitted it to it because she was exhausted. This happened a lot. And she was just exhausted from the interrogation. And you can't, you know, it comes to a point where you realize you don't have a choice. You don't have any choice. You have to say, to, and to save yourself in this moment or to save you from something horrible happening to you, you have to just say yes. But then horrible things do happen to you because then you get punished and you have to go through this process of repentance, which is humiliating. Why didn't more people get the hell out of there? There was a grand exodus at one point, and that was in 1999 and the year 2000. A lot of people left at once, and they all banded together. These brave, courageous individuals band together, and they shared their story with the newspaper, and it was in a series of articles in the newspaper. And I don't think that it probably went as far as it needed to go. I, I think things needed to be investigated. I think things needed to be shut down, but it, that didn't happen at that time. But, you know, now, I had when I was working on this podcast project I used those newspapers as the foundation for my podcast and um, I read them a lot during the making of the podcast so I really appreciate people sharing their story and if you do want to look into it you can find Oh, I'll them. put those links on HeyHumanPodcast.com yeah. if it can get yeah, them from you and it's crazy these, uh, these stories are they're well, what, okay, so back to you again. What made you say, this This is it, I'm freaking out if I, you know, get me out of here. So, you know, after England, we, my, uh, when I was in England, um, uh, I got that call from Cyro, and then I stayed there, you know, basically against my will. I talk about that in my book and in my, in my podcast and stuff. Um, but then I move into this home, this family, in with the church, um, and I stayed, you know, with my mom and her, she got an apartment. I stayed with her and my brother, um, didn't have any contact with my dad because my dad, um, basically left the church. Um, his 
side of the story is that he, when I was in England, I just found out about this. This is new information. Um, when I was in England, he had dinner with one of the ministers and the minister basically gave him an ultimatum and said, if you want your family, you'll come back. To the church? Yes. <gasps> really? If you want your family, you will come back. And it's up to you. And he was just kind of like, thanks, bye, thanks for the dinner kind of thing. <laughs> but um, I think he was ready to do, I think, what he needed to do for himself um, and get out. Um, and the road has not always been easy for him. Um, but I will say that um, he stayed in it for an extremely long time just for my mom and just for these kids. He did not want to lose the kids. I think that was one of the main things, the reason why he stood in. He d stayed in, and he also didn't want to lose his wife. He didn't want to lose his family, a and he ended up losing them anyway. So if your mom is saying that it's changed and it's different, can she not see the damage done previously? Or is that just a whole other story? <laughs> you know, that that's that's a whole other story, you know? Um, what were your first steps? Did you go to your mom and say, I don't want to do this anymore? Oh, no. No. That's a big no. No, no. That that that's like you know. Um, and are your brother and you bonding over this craziness or? Uh, this. I mean, and then while you were in it, right? Not now, but in it. This place had a way of isolating you, even from your siblings, from anyone. Okay. Just completely, complete isolation. Okay. Complete isolation. Um, I left completely on my own when I left. I went to a school where I, you know, went to college where I knew no, no one, and I started. Did you run away? Completely yeah. over. I escaped. Yes. Okay. Basically, because what I did was I applied to college behind my parents back and you can only do that when you turn 18 so I stayed in kind of undercover going through the motions which has taken it, that took a lot of a toll on me but um like I'm still recovering from those kind of things but you know I had to figure out a way to get out I didn't really know how I was gonna do it what was gonna happen um I knew that when I came back from England and I was living with my mother and my brother that um you know I honestly I can't even put it into words I just the fact the fact is is I just didn't believe it anymore I just didn't believe it anymore. I was still a Christian. I was still a conservative Christian for a very long time, you know, after, during in college and everything after college. Um, but I did not believe in the, I, what I believed was if God was real, there's no way that he would just hate everyone. Like I'm sick of being hated and hating everyone, you know, being judged and judging everyone, you know, I'm done with that. Like, mm. you know, college I, must have been a real eye opener for you. I ha college is just, you know, I had like three jobs. I, you know, because what happened was I had to apply for college behind my parents back then, or, you know, I'll just say my mom's back because I wasn't even in touch with my dad at that point. I had to cut ties with him because that was the social, that was what was expected of me. That's how I felt felt um in order to keep myself safe i cut ties with him and i told him you know basically uh, like i probably didn't say this out loud to him but this is you know kind of how you have to look at someone who leaves the group is you're not walking with jesus anymore jesus is not happy with you and in order for me to help you 
I need to cut ties with you so that you see the state of your heart is so dark and in such sin and you're on the wrong path and you're just bad, 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 bad and no good and evil and wrong and just get away from me, Satan kind of thing. So they really created a lot of enemies um, within this church, especially if you leave. If you leave or if you do something, you know, defiant. or The enemy of the church. Yes. Everything was the enemy. Um, Every single thing. All day, every day. It was like they were obsessed with it. And I'm still dealing with that. I'm still dealing with, uh, you know, undoing that deprogramming. Because, I mean, even on the way here, I have car problems. You know, my toddler is not feeling well today. It is the first time he's ever gotten sick. And I'm thinking to myself, the devil is attacking me today. I'm just like, that is, no, stop it stop it you know um that is just not true i'm starting to realize you know the fear the fear that they put inside of me the fear that they in that was in this environment was just not true have you done uh cult therapy you know there's specific therapy for people that have been in cults i haven't done cult therapy you know i've looked at you know there aren't a lot of cult experts in Nashville, actually. I've really tried to find some. Now, they do have, you know, post-traumatic stress or, like, you know, EMDR and all that kind of stuff. And I have definitely had, you know, a lot of of therapy and... um, God bless therapy, huh? Yeah. I love it. It's awesome. Just (laughs) even the chance to just talk to someone and then you hear yourself saying these things and you're like, you know what? You don't even need to say anything. I feel better. I've just processed this. (laughs) I just put, you know, it's just like I put two and two together instead of the thoughts, you know, racing through my mind all day were you making for were you forming relationships in college with people that you were meeting so let me okay so let me go back to when I applied for college behind my mom's back I finally told her mom I'm leaving and at that point I I went to college and then when I was when I got there um she's basically cut ties with me so I had to start my life completely over the first person I spoke to was the financial aid office okay that was my first friend that I had to make um because I had to be resourceful I had to figure this out in order to survive so I am amazing at thriving and surviving and resourceful and um I did what I I needed to do to survive so I just want to say any you know survivor of this kind of experience I mean even if you are not you don't have your crap all together I mean just the fact that you've survived it and you come out of it and you're out Mm -hmm. is just amazing because some people don't get out they're not able to or they don't see it or their eyes are never opened or whatever I feel very fortunate that I got out very fortunate Mm -hmm. so when I got to college I you know ran to the financial aid office that was the first place I stopped and then I started making friends with Christians Um, I joined Campus Crusade for Christ um I started going to a bunch of local churches making tons of Christian friends this is one thing that I knew about Christians uh, in general, I felt, I'm just stereotyping, but in general, I felt that they were very generous. They're very, very generous. And a lot of people swooped in and helped me through my college experience, through my, my college years. I was very stressed out, extremely stressed out. I didn't have any family, didn't have friends, didn't have a place to go. So new people were really um, loving on me and being generous. But also, you know, uh, like I always was, you know, School breaks, holidays, there are times that they kick you out and say, you have to go home. Well, I didn't have anywhere to go. So I had to rely on the kindness of others to build, to rebuild my life, to rebuild the foundation of my life. And Mm -hmm. so I really am thankful for all of those people, all of those times that, you know. Did anybody along the way um, suggest sending the FBI to Cyrus's door or... 
Cyro's door. Cyro. Cyro's uh, door. door. Um, the, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Or maybe she, I was a kid. Sure, sure. So I don't know. I don't know. That's crazy. And she passed one. away how long ago? Oh gosh, I don't even know. I don't even know what year she passed. I would have to check. I've been out for a while. I've been out um, since the year. Oh, I don't even know what year. But it's been like 20 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And how old are you? I'm 38. Okay, so you, you... Yeah, I got out when I was oh, 18. Oh, 18, sure. Mm-hmm. Right. I, was got, I got out when I'm I was 18. I'm good at math, not... I know, <laughs> and, and and honestly, I'm like, I don't even... So I can't even answer these questions, and it's you, my life. This you're answering just fine. You're, okay. You've been out longer than you've I'm been in. I'm horrible at my own, even math about my own age, all, so I'm it's, sorry. It's okay, you're in the business. None of us know our true age. Um, <laughs> so you've been out longer than you've been in, which yes. is something. Wow. I bet, you know, it's so You've crazy. You've now shifted just, the tides of But it's so your crazy, experience. you know, every day I am still working through the deprogramming of this stuff. And it's not, you know, it's like, I just, I, you know, I'm tired. It, I'm, it's exhausting. What did, you're married, I see? I am married. And so you're a husband. And I have kids. I don't ever assume that people with kids are married because, you know. It's so true. Yeah. It's a modern day. You're a it's modern, modern woman. Yeah. <laughs> woman. You're a modern woman. Yes. Anything <laughs> Can't goes. Can't say a woman. A woman. Anything goes. Um, so how, how was that? Trying to explain to this person that was your potential mate in life that... You've got some baggage. Yeah, well, I first of all, everyone has baggage. Of course, absolutely. <laughs> I deal with his crap too, yours you know. Is, yeah, so yours is very specific to trust and love and balance and do you know what I mean? Yes. That's that's a big one when it's when it yes. comes to connecting with another human being. I know. I mean it's hard enough. I knows. have been in a lot of toxic relationships. I have been in abusive relationships. I have been even involved with like in a domestic violence relationship, um, there are these, you know, parts of me that just haven't been in healthy relationships. Um, you know, and it always takes two. I'm not saying that I was a saint, but also I was like susceptible to being like abused, like, especially by, I always like, like these like leadership charismatic leader roles because I like the feeling of feeling subservient and it's almost like it's familiar so it's like it feels like family to me because Mm -hmm. that's how I I always was taught in this group you have to have a servant's heart you have to be a servant of the Lord you have to become less so that he can become more so I always you know, didn't have great self-esteem. I also was really afraid to be myself and let out too much personality. Um, I'm still afraid to unleash my full personality, to be honest with you. You know, uh, I still feel like in the closet in some ways, you know? Um, How does that affect how you raise your child? How do you get out of your own way with your, how old is your child? I have two children. One is, I have my daughter is eight. And a toddler. And I have a toddler. My son is a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and right, so the eight-year-old, because the one and a half, still still coming into his own, but the eight-year-old, how do you, how has that affected your mothering and your ability to make her feel safe? You think? I really don't want her to feel some of the feelings that I feel and some of the feelings that I have felt growing up. So I really try to put focus on like positive affirmation. 
Um, I'm a little bit of a freak about positive. Sometimes she's like, please stop. I'm just like, you know, you're my best friend. I love you. I love everything that you are. I love this. I love that. I love it. You know, I want her to be herself so much that she's like, I get it. Like, <laughs> please stop. You know, <laughs> but so I'm just like, okay, well, I'll just write it down or something. I don't know. I just really, I'm like obsessed with the fact that I want my kids to be themselves and I want them to, you know, know that they do not have to change you know, they are beautiful, wonderful, amazing, the way that they are, just naturally however they are. You know, I'm not saying that they're perfect, but I have learned so much on this healing journey. One of the things that has helped me heal a lot, there's been so many things, like I'm sure with you too, like, you know, so many books, so many, like you read something at the right time that helps you like process things and make sense of things. Um, there's been so many things for me. That's one of the things I would really love to share with people are some of the things that has really have really helped me. I, you know, helped Great. open Any my eyes to things. books or anything, send that to me and I'll put it on the links page. Okay. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that's like a super positive thing to talk about are some of these books that I've read and some of these messages, things that I've learned um, on this healing journey over the past several years. Um, and, but, you know, it... it it's, it's nice to focus on that stuff rather than focusing on some of the darker, you know, the childhood story is, it's really hard to kind of keep talking about it over and over again. It's been really like this dark. You were saying that it shut you down sometimes. So you get, yeah, it's like painful. It's scary. It's dark. It's still, I'm still working through it. Like I still, you know, when you say that I I'm 20 years out, I'm more, more years out than I am in. I, it doesn't feel like that at all. It doesn't. And you know, I can picture myself being free, you know, without any burdens, without being weighed down by some of these things, by some of still, I still have a lot of fears, start, still a lot of worry. There are things that I really, but it takes time. Well, mind control is stuff. very heavy duty. Heavy duty. You know, it's, very heavy duty. Yeah. And you were, in essence, under mind control. Yes. As were, was everybody around you. But you were asking about my relationship with my husband. This mm. is one of the first relationships where we, you know, I'm able to communicate like anything. And he will accept me for who I am. He still loves me. You know, he, he really isn't the kind of person to put me down. You know, he's just very positive. And um, so that's really helpful that I'm, I feel lucky that I'm not with somebody that is negative because uh, it is a lot to to un, to process and, and deprogram yourself and to work through and to have a partner that is super kind. That is important. Yeah. Do you go to church now? Oh, gosh, no. No. Do you no. believe in God? I do. Okay. I do. Yeah. I do. It, it's so confusing <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a human. I don't understand everything about God and I don't understand everything about life. And, um, I really honestly do not think that the greatest theologian on the planet understands or this, this greatest scientist or whatever that they understand, um, you know, everything about the universe and energy and, and, and love and God and everything. Well, I think it's a deeply personal thing. And so it's I'm so always true. wary of anyone telling you what to think or feel about Truly about anything. That is so true. Not just religion or lack thereof, but any. Uh, be wary of anyone telling you how 
to feel. Or to say saying I know everything I know the answers. Yeah, Anybody a, saying that they know the flag. answers yeah. is wrong. <laughs> that's a big red flag. Absolutely wrong. Absolutes are a big red flag. For yes, sure. yes. Yeah. And and just, you know, another thing is, is saying like God wants this for you. God says this. God is, you know, saying something for someone else. Like you said, it is extremely personal. Um and for me it's been a very personal, private, beautiful thing. And I'll, like, I, you know, struggle with sharing that. Um, I don't have, I don't share all of it. I don't share all of it. It is a very personal um, journey, but it's important for people to understand that I don't necessarily label myself a Christian anymore, but I don't necessarily not like label myself a non-Christian or a non-believer. Like I don't label myself period anymore. You just I don't you. believe right. that it's important anymore. Mm. I don't believe it's important. I don't care what you label yourself. I don't care. It is all the same. Like that spiritual connection to the divine. I thank the cult that it, it did introduce me to that. It introduced me to faith. It introduced me to having a passion for, you know, f seeking and searching for that um, because I still do. And I will always be a seeker and I'll always, I will always, you know, I have a deep connection, spiritual connection to the divine. I call it the divine basically, but you can call it whatever. God, Jesus, whatever. Um, but that is truly what I believe is that you can call it whatever. You can call it Dolly Parton. Mm -hmm. But I also, this is, this is the... Con Many people worship at Dolly Parton. Yeah, you can call it Dolly Parton. <laughs> if you're angry and you don't want to believe in God, then, you know, believe in Dolly Parton. But this is the, this is the one thing though, is I don't believe that it's this external man in the cloud. You know, he has the world in his hands. You know, he's got the whole world in his hands. I don't believe that anymore. I think that it's, it's something much, much bigger than we can probably fathom and, and put into words and humans, you know, can't probably really understand it or fathom it or put it into words or whatever, but it is also inside of us. It's not an external thing. Like we're a part of it. Like it's, and it's, I cannot wrap my mind around this, Susan. I just can't. It, it's just, that's the beauty of Curious Mind, though, that you get to have a lifelong experience discovering what you do and don't believe, and, and it's okay to change your mind. Absolutely. I mean, that's, the whole, that's the whole point of being. Yes. Yes. Is, no one is going to be mad at you or hate you or punish oh, you. Oh, lots of people will be, but it, they don't matter. Well, when I, yeah, right, right, right. I don't mean nobody as in like the humans. I'm talking like nobody in the clouds. I see. Nobody in the clouds and uh, on top of the universe is going to say, you know, hate you, depart from me. I never knew you. That is one of the things that was said in the church all the time. And that is biblical. That is biblical. Yeah, but, but there are the Bible's in the written Bible. by people. So the Bible is written by humans, mm. and they're interpreting it. As but they I, see I know the argument there is, you know, it was written by God. It's a God-breathed word, you know, thing. Sure. Um, but we still. Here's the thing I say about that: that that at least for me, and again, I don't. To me, I don't care what if people want to believe me or not. It's because it's just me. So they get to have their own experience. And you are not going to get burned at the stake. But at one point, I'm you sure could I've have been, been burned. I'm absolutely positive that I have been burned at the stake at some point in my many lifetimes. That being said, if if you were to right now, it's like a game of telephone. If you were to tell me your story and then I were to sit down and write your story, I'd write it through my lens. It's the only way that I can come to anything. So Absolutely. if I'm an omnipotent being and I'm whispering in, you know, Moses' ear, Moses is still going to write things down based on Moses, not based on this infinite being because 
Moses gets in the way of Moses. That's a, it's like it's the worst sort of description to, to what's going on in my head. But that's, you know, that, that's, we, we cannot get out of our own paradigm. Mm-hmm. We are in it. <laughs> there is no getting out of that. Yes. So, yes. and even if we are people who, uh, you know, have um, existential moments or uh, meditative moments that release us from this mortal coil, it's still us having those experiences. Absolutely. It's, we still bring us to the table. Uh, and we bring a lot of pain from our childhood, a lot of pain from our parents' childhood, and then the childhood, and then their parents' childhood, sure. and then their parents. You know, it's like Absolutely. this ancestral thing that's just, you know, passed on to generation, and then obviously we're, we have these, these um, experiences that have, you know... Uh, kind of traumatized us in a way. I think we all have scars. We're all doing the best we can. We're all we doing got. the best we can. Boy, we say we that a lot on this podcast. Yes, <laughs> and I really believe that. I saw that on, um, I saw this um, Brene Brown and Russell Brand uh, podcast episode where Brene Brown was like, do you believe that everyone is doing the best that they can? And my initial thought was no. You I know, but that. I do, I do believe that everyone's doing the best I absolutely believe that now. I yeah. absolutely, but I, 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 wherever they are in their moment, they're doing, and yes. the worst of us, the yes. best of us, whatever that even means, yes, they are exactly where they are. We don't have to wrap our head around that really, but at the same time, you know, knowing that we all have, our minds are really capable of crazy stuff like we're humans we you know look at nazi germany i mean we are look at the cult i grew up in we are really susceptible to believing things that are main be not good kind gentle what i try to what i'm realizing for myself is that i really um i think gentleness is love for me and um i think whatever i can do to get to a place where i feel gentleness towards anyone even my enemy that is i mean that's what it's all about right and and sometimes we are our enemy ourselves right, right so right. starting with ourselves always absolutely starting with ourselves always being gentle with ourselves always figuring out how to love ourselves always but that is that is Sisyphean at best. It's a tough task to. That is a tough task. Yeah, um, but I am really. That is where I'm at. I'm yeah, really, you're heading in a good direction. I feel like. Yes, I am learning to accept myself, love myself, and 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 I will get to a place at some point where I will be myself a hundred percent. You know, and really love it and live in it, and it be authentic and true. I am not going to pretend anymore. I'll tell you that right now. Good. I will not. I I won't do it. I'm, I am the best actress that I know. Like I'm really great at acting, but I will not live like in a lie. And that's I. You're taking care of you first. I will not numb out. I will not be in denial. I will no, absolutely not. I want to heal. I only get one life. So I want to heal and I will do whatever it takes. I am courageous and strong enough to say that is within me and I will, you know, the other day I was like cleaning and I just was like, I can do all things that Christ who strengthens me, but I don't necessarily believe in Christ a hundred percent that, you know, the way that the conservative Christian thing, um, but I still have that relationship with my own Christ. The temple of God is within you. Yes. I always love that The spirit that of Jesus says it's a spirit of truth. When the, the disciples said, what am I going to do when you're gone? He was like, oh my gosh, I have been with you for so long and you do not, do you not understand? Like it is a spirit 
a spirit of truth it is inside all of you you know and it, it basically like the holy spirit kind of thing you know i know that that word triggers a lot of people you know these christian terms trigger a lot of people but even you know non-christians non-believers you know it, it that's one of the things that was really hard for me in the christian community i felt that um, there were a lot of people around me that thought that non-believers weren't spiritual and they were lost and they were unsaved and things like that. I do not believe that at all. I have connected with a lot of atheist group, recovering Christian groups, lots and lots of people that are super spiritual and they believe the same things as me and they believe the same things as you and they believe like at the end of the day it's these these, oh, sure. these wise truths these well, ancient truths everything is its own religion and i say that all the time on the show too is it atheism is its own religion running is its own religion food is its own religion i mean we all we all have something that is our deep-seated truth. Right, right. You can you know, hang a hat on whatever you want. Yes, And it's exactly. not wrong, it and, just is. And a lot of it is the same stuff. It's like, you know, loving yourself. Yeah. Getting to know yourself, being authentic to yourself. You know, living with gratitude, living with, like, finding out what love really is, finding out how, what it means to look at others with compassion. Mm. And, and that is not an easy task. That takes a lot of like facing yourself in the mirror, facing your own crap, face, you know, being honest with yourself. It doesn't really have much to do with going to church for me. It, it, it doesn't. I don't get a lot out of it except a lot of like triggers. Well, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus didn't really like hanging out with the strict religious people. He was like, you know. He was off in the mountains. He was meditating. Well, he for, was doing all sorts of things. Uh, yeah. he, started, he was hanging out with, uh, with you know, the the quote-unquote whores and the the poor and the disease the lepers and all that because you know the pharisees had they were a little too intense blessed are the poor because they you know are the kingdom of heaven right but poor in spirit poor in spirit you know um because i i, I that i'm that's a tricky one for me that is I, a tricky one that poor in spirit i don't we I think don't know just, how that was translated. Yeah, but, I mean, all that stuff. But, but if you can, but you know, and there's like a million different ways that you could um, interpret, interpret all of it. any of it. And I could pull out some of those things and really ab abuse you well, I mean, I mean, with those things. That's what your or, church did, right? Right. Yeah. Or I could pull some things out and really use it as ins inspiration and things. I almost actually got rid of my Bible and like did not know what to do with it. And I actually pulled it f uh, from my shelf and was like, okay, bye. I'm going to give you one last chance. And I opened it up. And the first thing I read was God is a spirit. That is a Bible verse. God is a spirit. And I was like, okay, yeah. You know what? I'm putting you back on the shelf and I am going to keep you. I Not books. all of it is just trash. Well, I read nonfiction books a lot. And it, just because they're nonfiction, it doesn't mean that I have to agree with whoever the author is is writing it. You know, I, I read a book and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm into that. I'm going to look into this other thing. I'm not really into that. And then I ask myself why, you know, I mean, if it doesn't, it's a part it, of if it doesn't, uh, if it is, doesn't ring true to you, that that's, that's, I believe that spirit of truth saying that's not true to you and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Amen, sister. Yeah. But it is, what we're <laughs> saying here is extremely high controversial stuff. Do you understand that? Yeah, they can come knocking on my door. I welcome it. Like I do <laughs> feel, you know, that, that, that you are courageous for, you know, being able to say this stuff without any fear. Do you feel fear when you say any of your beliefs or, yeah, I feel, I definitely it's, still feel it's battle because fear. They're mine. And so I don't, I'm okay with people not liking me for whatever I believe about myself. And, and that's, that's, that's their thing, you know? 
I, rejection I just, hurts, though. It still hurts. I'm very sensitive. I understand so, that, but you yeah. also have to take gentle care with yourself because you've been through some things. Yes. And you you went through some things for a very, very long time. And then even after you got out of the church, you still, because of what you knew and what you believed to be true, you put yourself into situations that were damaging and hurtful. And you have to give yourself time to to heal from that stuff. Absolutely. It's just, you. all you were doing was what you knew. And now you know different. And so now you're doing what you know now. And all it's easy to beat ourselves up, right? That's why um, the whole thing about inner child stuff is great therapy oh, because yes. we can beat the crap out of that. Yes. But see, I'm in the, I'm now in a time in my life where instead of beating up that kid who shows up is I, I take her under my wing and I say, I've got you. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to hurt you. Oh yes. And all the things that befell you, which there were a lot that, you know, that I couldn't keep you safe then, but I can keep you safe now. And you're with me. Oh, that's a great way to look at that. Yeah. And, yes. and now I have my little collection of me's and they all sit. I have in my, my mind palace, there's a very long couch and there's lots of versions of me. Some are wearing costumes. Some are, there's one that's in a, a monster suit. You know, there's some are just sitting eating popcorn and watching a movie. Like there's so many versions of me that have been traumatized or damaged or just needed someone in their corner or whatever and so I get to be the love that they felt they didn't have or I get to be you know the the sounding board or whatever it was and because I've taken that power back it's you know and they trust me and they trust me because I mean it and it takes it takes time to get there, but yes. you're gonna get there. I I know I'm getting there. Everything yeah. that you're saying, I absolutely love it, and um, it touches me because, you know, I do I, I I have been doing some inner work, inner child, you know, stuff. I don't know a ton about it, but um, I just sometimes talk to my myself when I was a kid, and I just kind of say, you know, everything's gonna be okay. I'm here. I'll always be here for you. Kind of like a big sister. That's perfect. But I never even thought about it. Where it's like, you know, yeah, I was just so. I've been so many different versions of myself, and I don't need to be un, you know, ashamed of that. Um, and I think that's a beautiful way to look at it. Is that you know, you can be there for each version of yourself, mm-hmm. and you know, be there to because we. Humans, I don't know, I'm speaking for all humans. I feel like I have needed comfort every step of the way and I didn't get it from the places that I was looking. I got, I looked in the, all the wrong places for comfort. I, I needed to look within myself. I needed to. Yeah, but a kid doesn't know that. No. They, they don't have the skills. They no, don't have, and, that's and I was absolutely I, not taught it either. I sucked my thumb until I was 11 because that was self-soothing. You know, I had my little doll and my thumb and that was my comfort. We need a lot of comfort. We need a lot of thumb sucking. I mean, I try, (laughs) that's one of the things that I I try to say, I try to tell people, please be sensitive to each other because we are all- Struggling. We are all like, we all need comfort. Every Mm -hmm. human, I don't care how, you know, pompous or masculine or whatever you want to you know them even more so maybe maybe yeah um but everyone needs comfort i mean humans just need it Mm. um that's one of the things that has helped me be more compassionate is to see that inside of everyone that i am in and everyone i like this part of me isn't everyone that well and and that's the gift in all the darkness and all the yucky stuff and all the abuse and and the fear and the terror that you experienced you also 
got a gift because the fact that you can be an empath to the world's pain is humongous. And the more th- that happens, the better the planet will be. So, you know, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you survived. It is the people that have gone through adversity and darkness and faced those things and also rose up and had the courage to face their fears too and look at them in the face and and not look away look at them and not numb out you know be even be like brave enough to say i need help like from people that like learn from people that are one step ahead or you be- steps ahead you become a light in another person's darkness the people that hear your voice they may not have been raised in this situation but they were raised in some situation and just to know every time that there's somebody out there that has pulled themselves out you know and that we're, we're we do the best we can every day is not a perfect day right and all of us falter but we're, we're lights that shine in the dark places and we might not have had that gift for the world if we hadn't been through the things we've been through yes absolutely so, Naomi you're a rock star thank you thank you for Susan, being on the show so are you I know that, that this was not an easy thing to talk about so I really I appreciate that. I honor that you that you took the time and we were open and honest. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was great to be here. Yay. It was great to meet you. Yay. We've been wanting to do this for a while, so it, I'm yeah. glad it worked out. Me too. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. And again, I'll, I'll post links and things up on heyhumanpodcast.com if you want to learn more about Naomi. And please listen to uh, Colton Connecticut podcast. It's really exceptional. And what is the book again? The book is called The Cult in My Living Room. Yeah, and and can people find you on Facebook? And yes, I'm on Facebook. I'm not using that as much. I'm on Instagram. Okay. So yeah, come say hello. What's your Instagram handle? Naomi Van Winkle. There you go. So and I'll have links to that as well. So thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Rate and review Hey Human podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.